Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Say goodbye to diluted creams and serums that are often made up of 70% water and 15% preservatives, leaving minimal space for the ingredients your skin craves. The scientists behind fiber skincare have spent 15 years perfecting nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. And just one year ago, they patented a way of wrapping these nanofibers around oil or liquid-based ingredients. The result was a formula that delivers five times more active ingredients compared to creams or serums with no need for fillers like water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is a plant-based anti-wrinkle set of patches that you use over seven days, applying them just like your favorite serums. Your skin will feel tighter in 10 seconds, and over seven days, the program is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by by 19.4%. In fact, they have a tighter skin guarantee where if your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they will give you your money back, no questions asked. Go to fiberskincare.com and use code unfiltered for 15% off. The other thing I aim to do in this book is to put for parents on equal footing helping kids express their emotions and helping kids rein those in, find comforts, bring them back under control. And so I really wanted parents to have a two-part repertoire for helping their kids. Hey guys, it is Monday and welcome to the CatNet Unfiltered podcast and this it's a special podcast because Nat and I started The Common Parent way back when, because when we had teenagers, we felt way over our head and like no one was talking about it. Toddlers and the younger ones, everyone had all the conversations and there was books. So The Common Parent is a community that we created for members where they can go and listen to amazing experts. Now, 
because we love our community so much, we wanted to bring over some of the experts so you could hear little snippets of them. We bring you one a Monday. If you're in the membership, you know that you get full access to them and you have a whole bunch of library in there. So if you're new here, go check out thecommonparent.com. And if you're not, you're going to take a listen to some of the experts that join us. Um, really, it is about taking tools for your toolbox, quick hits, because a lot of us don't have time for a lot of books. And all the experts are so amazing that learning something that's actionable that day is like, ah, the best. So uh, this Monday, we hope you enjoy our expert and just sit back. Uh, we know it can be overwhelming. We know it can feel like a lot, but with the experts and the community and us, we all can do this together. Take a listen um, to our next expert right after this break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. People haven't been talking about it because it's not our story to talk about. So it feels so confusing when your child is coming home with emotions and feelings that you, you think they should be able to handle because the expectation is so high. And, you know, I, I have, um, my son's in a very high level of sports Hmm. and the coaches act fireable. If they were at a job, they would be yeah. fired. Yeah. But we have, yeah. but we don't, and the, then these kids leave there and come to us. And I think, yeah. how can we expect to be all, and I think of teachers and people in yeah. these uh, teenagers' lives who treat them disrespectfully just for looking like a teenager. Yep. And then and they're, they're sometimes yep. the most influential people in their lives. And they're supposed to just be oh, just, They're supposed just, to come home and be Every, I'm, I'm perfect, but you guys can act crazy, but yeah. me, no. So, yeah. I mean, wh- why was this new book written? Like, oh. what was your inspiration on it? So, I, um, you know, the pandemic hit. Yeah. And I've always worked on the topic of adolescence. And my work shifted so dramatically to suddenly just trying to help in any way I possibly could to help parents help their teenagers stay afloat through it. I mean, it was really... 
you know, I mean, the pandemic was horrible for everyone. It hit teenagers in a very particular way. I know where you are. I mean, I, I care for a lot of, you know, communities around you. The lockdowns went on for so long and were so hard. And um, so there were two things that happened at once. One was a crisis for teenagers. I mean, an absolute mental health crisis for teenagers that just dropped on everybody. And then the other actually was... Um, I think a problematic discourse that came up around mental health, that we started talking about it in a way as a culture that is not accurate and actually not helpful. And so I sort of felt like, okay, I wasn't planning to write another book, but I have to like yeah. do my part. And the discourse that is not helping us is one that has arisen that equates being mentally healthy with feeling good or calm mm -hmm. or relaxed. And there is no psychologist in the world who would go for that definition. And so this book, it has two sort of main thrusts. One is to like recenter our definition. And the definition that I advance throughout the book is mental health is not about feeling good. It's about having feelings that make sense in their context, right? So if you're, if a coach says something awful to your kid and your kid is hurt and mad, that is evidence of your kid's mental health, right? It may be really uncomfortable and really unpleasant, but we would expect and actually want to see that. And then the second part is handling emotions effectively, right? So what happens to that upset, mad feeling, right? Does your kid go smoke a ton of weed to deal with it? Or do they come home and talk to you about it, right? So really trying to change that definition. And then the other thing I try to do in the book, the last two chapters, there's five chapters, are I call them actual playbooks for handling your kid's emotion. And chapter four is the playbook for helping your kid handle emotions. We call it regulate emotions, you know, technically, by expressing what they're feeling. And chapter five is about helping kids regulate emotions by bringing them back under control. And that was another sort of cultural thing that had happened where we really, um, what is what it's reminded me of. So when I was like hugely pregnant with my daughter, who's now in college, so it was like 20 years ago, I was with a senior colleague and we were wrapping up some work and, and she said, um, this is my oldest, my first kid. And she said, so do you want to hear how psychologists mess up their kids? And I was like, yes, because I have yes. seen those kids. I've seen those kids. And she said they talk about feelings too much, that the point comes where it's sometimes helpful to say to a kid, all right, you've been upset for a long time. We're talking. It's not helping. Like, what would help you feel better? Mm. And so the other thing I try to do, but besides trying to like recenter a useful definition and actually an accurate definition of mental health, the other thing I aim to do in this book is to put for parents on equal footing helping kids express their emotions and helping kids rein those in, find comforts, bring them back under control. Because I sort of feel like we as a culture have like all become the psychologist parent, right? Who's like, I'm just going to talk this thing to death, yes. which has its hazards. And so I really wanted parents to have a two-part repertoire for helping their kids. That's so interesting. Yeah. And I think that we're fearful of the feelings, right? So it's easier for us to have the conversations with them because then we're like, now you won't get depressed. Now you won't get anxiety now, but they, they need to feel the feelings, but we don't want them to. And if we talk them out of them, then it's like, okay, now we're all, we're afloat. Now we're good. Let's carry on, you know? Yep. Yeah. What's going to happen when we're not beside them? How are they going to handle that? Absolutely. Alone? And the feelings like this is the piece that is so how far we got departed from how we understand things in psychology. Psychologists are fine with negative feelings. Like we have right. no problem. In fact, they are like orient us to our worlds. They are often growth giving, right? They help us build empathy. 
And so our reflex as a culture is like, oh my God, our kid's in pain. Like I have to make it stop. Whereas the reflex I would love for us to have is, okay, my kid's in pain. Is this interesting? Does it map meaningfully onto what's occurred? Is it evidence that my kid actually works perfectly? And then the question is, how's it going to get handled? Is it going to get handled in a way that like brings relief and does no harm? Or is it going to get handled in a way that brings relief and does a ton of harm, right? So that's the that's where I want parents' attention, not on whether or not their kid's in pain. Your teenager's going to be in pain. Like that's a done deal. Really looking at how they manage it. And that's why so much of the book is around a repertoire for managing emotions. When we say, you know, I think for, as parents where we get it is because people don't talk about it. It's like, when is it a problem? Like, yep. when are we too sad? When are we too mad? When are we not feeling? So how are we gauging that, like checking in? Because, you know, there is a lot of, especially with Twitch that just came about and the yeah. whole thing was he was happy, he was fine. And, you know, and then we don't know the whole story. We're just, yeah. that's social media for you. How are we getting them to know when they need to ask for help if they're not willing to? What does that look like as a parent when you're like, do we need help here? Well, exactly. And I actually think you just said the thing that is so often unspoken underneath this, which is like, my kid's really, really upset. Might they kill themselves? Like, I think that that is underneath it for a lot of parents and people are scared to say it. And I'm just glad you put it on the table. So let me first answer the when to worry about your kid generally. And then let me first offer just some ways for parents to calm their anxieties about suicide. Because I, I think it's such a tension in the media of both wanting to call attention to adolescent suicide, mm-hmm. but I think it also has an another effect of like really raising parents' anxieties in ways that like they don't always know what to do with that elevated anxiety. Rescue the children and overcompensate is often what you do. And of course, but if you feel like your kid's life is on the line, like what else yeah. are you going to do, right? Okay. Yeah. So that, let's un, let's separate these out. One is like general when to worry, and then let's hit suicide very directly. Yes. So the general when to worry. One is we expect teens' moods to be all over the map. So if your kid is like upset and then, you know, upset and then super happy and then upset and then super happy, you're exhausted, they're exhausted, they're developing normally. Like that is totally typical. We worry when they get stuck in a rut, right? So we worry when a kid is upset and they stay upset and stay upset and the things that they're trying to do don't help. That's when we think about depression. That's when we go get help. Also for teenagers, and this is key, depression can look like irritability. Um, This is very unique to adolescents, but a depressed teenager can feel like you're living with a porcupine. Like They are just like, everybody bothers them. Everybody rubs them the wrong way. They can't stand their friends. They can't stand their teachers. They can't stand their parents. That's not what we would expect to see. Like, that's not just like a, you know, typical teenager. That's a worrisome teenager. So we worry about persistent or getting in the way of daily functioning mood or anxiety concerns. So that's a time to worry. Another time to worry, and this is to bring it back into the framework I'm going to, I'm pushing forward in this book are they expressing feelings in a way that does harm? So it's not the feeling, but are they like angry, but then they're like taking it out on everybody else and being a total jerk about things? Or are they angry and they're harming themselves as a way to like express that aggression? And so they're the ones getting hurt. So it's not, again, it's not the feeling. It's how it's getting expressed and the fact that the expression is doing damage. Okay, if we go to the other side of it, like bringing feelings under control, are they sad? Maybe somebody broke their heart. And so they're smoking tons of weed to deal with the sadness, right? That will bring the sadness under control. 
huge price tag, right? So again, it's when they are using coping, and honestly, cutting is coping, smoking weed is coping, that is costly. That's when we worry. So either they can't function or their coping yep. is costly. That's when to worry. That's, I mean, that is the key word. Coping is costly. Yep. And that is not that. I think if you can put that into your box then you know right away that we're not dealing with this health in a healthy yep. matter. And when you think of it that way, that's a really easy tagline for parents to remember. Good. I just came up with it. So let's stick with it. Okay. <laughs> you should run with coping is costly. Coping that is, is really costly. Yeah. Wait, if it when comes to worry. at a cost, it's not probably the right way they should be coping. Right. Like weed weed works. Like that's the problem with it. Right. But it causes all these other problems. Okay. The question of suicide. So first of all, I think one thing that is helpful, and it's very hard to say this without seeming somehow dismissive of someone's pain. And I don't want to in any way indicate that that's the story. When we look at the statistics on suicide, which we do, teenagers are less likely to die by suicide than every older age group. Which is often comes as a surprise to families. Yeah. Because for reasons that I'm sure make tons of sense, we focus very heavily in the media on adolescent suicide. And I think I just want to put that out there just as a a framework. And of course, like, no, any suicide is horrible. Like one suicide is too many suicides, right? And there's you can't like measure suffering against suffering. But I just one in the in the deluge of new information, which is it's so important that we focus on it. I also think that contextual piece is useful. That yes. yeah, it just it. I think just because parents' anxieties are so high. Okay, but that doesn't matter if you're worried about your kid, right? Like that, like your kid is really what you're worried about. So here's what I want parents to know. Number one, you can ask your kid, and and here's what I would say. I'm going to tell you how to do it and I'll tell you how not to do it because I hear from teenagers how not to do it. So if your kid is like deeply distressed or just has you freaked out, right? Like that's the experience as a parent. Like I am scared for my kid. You can say something like, you are really upset and I have to ask you a question. And this may feel like it's totally out of the blue or totally weird, but I just got to ask because I, I just got to ask, are you having any, any having any thoughts of harming yourself or taking your life? And here's what we know. Asking a kid that question will not make them suicidal. And this is often why parents don't ask, right? They think like, I don't want to put the idea in their head. Okay. You can't do that, right? The culture has already done it. I hate to say it. Like it's all around us. But we also know that if a kid is suicidal, they actually feel better when they are asked. They are glad to be asked. Mm -hmm. So you can ask this question. All right. So that's how I would recommend doing it. I recently was talking with a teenager and I just, I felt for both her and her mom so deeply in this, where she was saying like, anytime she tells her mom, she's upset about something, her mom will talk with her about her, about it. And then say, you're not going to kill yourself, are you? And I just thought, oh man, like I so get where this mom is coming from, right? She's reading the headlines. They have her very freaked out. But the experience of the teenager is like, what? Like, uh, where is that coming from? Like, I just had like, a day, you know? And so I really feel for parents um, and I really feel for teenagers because it's important that we spotlight it, but we also have to be aware of unintended consequences of spotlighting it. And I think also, correct me if I'm wrong, but they also like to 
they'll say, I'm just going to go kill myself. Like they will say it to watch what you do. Um, what do you do when they do that? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm so glad you asked. Okay. So first of all, teenagers say they've always said long before the pandemic, they've always said like, I'm going to go kill myself. I wish I were dead. I don't want to wake up tomorrow. Like I I don't want to be here. Why do you have me? This is Why do you have me? Yeah. Like totally terrifying commentary. All right. Here's, sometimes I think they do it to see like, what are you going to do with this? I think often they do it because one of the things that's true about teenagers is they feel everything really intensely. And so when they say like, I feel like I could kill myself, what they're not saying, but I think what they usually mean is like, I am feeling so much despair or I am feeling so sad or I am feeling, and they just like jump to, you know, this extreme phrasing. So if your kid says anything in that department, my recommendation is that you say to them, Listen, I heard what you I heard what you said, and I have to ask, is that something you're really thinking about? Or is that you letting me know how upset you are right now? And so often, most, most overwhelmingly, most of the time, kids will be like, oh no, no, I'm not thinking about it, but I am that upset. Okay, great. You have that conversation about how upset your kid is. Yeah. And then if they say, I don't know, right? Then you take your kid to the emergency room and you go down that road. Right. But usually you can just do like, I just got to check in. Is that you telling me how upset you are or is that something you're really thinking about? And that will often um, sort it out for you and bring it down to size. What if we have a a, a non-feeler, like someone who doesn't rage, doesn't, you know, go, um, who is um, all intense, looks like they're coping quite well if we're like on the surface, um, are we, are we, are we looking for these ups and downs? Like, do we want these ups and downs? But if the person is keeping themselves in a controlled state where they don't have to feel much, are we concerned about that? Like, where are we going with that one? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I I'll think- tell you why, because yeah. I, I actually have personal experience with my daughter who is very, um, great, but you know, recently she wants me to make a lot of decisions for her at 13. Mm -hmm. It seems like the consequences can be overwhelming for, you know, even should I go to soccer? I don't want to, but, and I I used to praise or not. So now I'm just like, you know, I say, these are, these are your decisions in your life and they're not for me. They're for you. So I want you to think about what you want. And we go, we spin, we spin, we spin. And then thankfully I had to leave the other day and she had to make her own decision and she ended up going. And before I would have been like, I'm so proud of you. And I said nothing. I'm like, okay, I'll lock the door, you know, rather than making a decision. Like, I'm just, I think a lot of parents do have, they think steady is sometimes good, but I, I am some, I'm always like trying to be like, like, let's go, let's get, like go out, feel, take risks. And I have to honor her, her comfort levels, but what, how can we help them mirror? How can we help them if they're not showing the emotions that we think they should be? Cause I do think a lot of girls, especially keep life together for a very long time mm-hmm. and don't show it as mm-hmm. much in different ways. You, do you know what I mean? I've seen it. Like, it's just sort yeah. of this, this thing that they hold on to. Yeah. All right. So on the scale of like, not at all worried to extremely worried, this would be very much on the lower end of the scale. Like I, I really, not you know, I, I just, like, I, I, nothing you're saying that I'm like, Oh my, you know, you need to worry about this because I think it's the secret lives of teenagers <laughs> life that we get concerned about, but right? there's something like, else going on. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I will say. It has not been my experience clinically that 
there's a big problem that suddenly gets discovered all at once. That when kids, if there's a secret life that you need to worry about, there will be signs, right? Things will be sort of falling apart at school, or they won't be able to maintain any friends, or they won't be getting up in the morning, or they won't like it is it is never been my experience clinically that like a kid is appearing to function normally but has a you know torrid difficult, horrible circumstance of which there's no evidence, right? Like there's typically- I think you're more worried about them not feeling things so you, they can't work through it, right? Like, so I think that we, I, I've seen a lot of teenage girls who for, like keep it together for years and then, you know, 15, 16, it's kind of like, I'm exhausted of yeah. pretending. And I don't know how as parents we're, we're cracking what we've created because, you know, for a long time we create a, a lot of girls to be, very, you know, yeah. And I I don't know how we shake that up so we can get them to feel the emotions and mirror them and go through them. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. We hope you um, truly enjoyed listening to that expert because that's what it's all about is bringing you guys information quickly and easily so you don't feel overwhelmed because, gosh, this parenting journey can feel so lonely and so overwhelming. If you are interested in knowing more about The Common Parent, head to thecommonparent.com. It is just full of amazing, useful easy information to make you feel a little bit more in control and actually help your relationship with your teen or tween. And to be honest with you, it goes across like all of our relationships because relationships are relationships are relationships. And couldn't we all use a little little bit of help in that area? Um, We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you go to thecommonparent.com. And again, thank you guys for joining us. Um, Wherever you may be, we hope you have a beautiful, wonderful day or night. (laughs) 